Abba, Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are our God, that you love us and you show us your love. And Lord, we confess that we don't always know how to receive that love. We don't always know how to accept you as our Father. And we ask that you, please, please fill us with your spirit today. Help us to know your love in Jesus Christ. And help us to be ministers of your gospel in the world. We pray this all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. So good to have us all here together today. We're wrapping up our, uh, our short series on prayer this week. And uh, we've covered a lot of prayer about prayer in the last four weeks, but frankly, we've barely scratched the surface in these four weeks. We've considered the privilege of prayer, of being the ch- children of the Father. We've heard K- Father Caleb talk and preach about the kingdom of God and the will of God, and that we are to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. Last week, we considered how God provides and pardons and protects, now that, and how he invites us to pray for ourselves and others. And in a few weeks, uh, starting on August 15th, we will start the prayer course, uh, we'll di- where we'll dig into six specific topics of prayer and begin to practice them as a church. So as we look forward to the prayer course, and as we look back on what we've learned thus far, I want to return in our passage from Ephesians to the heart of prayer. And that is that prayer is about being with our triune God who transforms us into the image of Christ. Everything we do in prayer, from adoration to intercession to petition, all comes back to being with God. In fact, you could make the argument that the Christian life is sort of a a, a pattern, has a pattern to it of being and then doing. Prayer draws us higher up and further into the love of God where we find what it means to be human. And then it moves us out further into the broken world where we're witnesses to Christ and his gospel. Being with God grounds us in him, what we do with our, in our lives, so that we can go out and be his gospel and be his ministers in the world and then return again to being with Christ. This is the pattern of worship, the pattern of daily prayer. This is the pattern of the Christian life. So today we're considering Paul's prayer for the Ephesians that grounds us in our being, in the being of Jesus, in the life of Christ, the life of the infinite and beautiful and inexhaustible God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Paul, in in verse 14, opens with this phrase. He says, for this reason. And as good readers of the scripture, we should immediately ask, well, what's the reason? Why are we praying for this prayer, Paul? And to understand this, we need to go back a little bit into context and and see that in chapter 2 of of the book of Ephesians, Paul writes about the amazing and undeserved gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and the reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles that results from Christ's death and resurrection. At the end of that chapter, he says this in verse 22. In Jesus, you are being built together together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This image of building is actually the image of building a temple, the temple of God. Paul is saying that, that salvation and reconciliation all leads to the one body of Christ being built up in the temple of God. And the temple of God is a very big, important image in Scripture. It uh, would take a whole series of sermons for us to go and look at all the different ways that the temple of God works in Scripture, but 
by means of summary, let me just consider a few points very quickly. Uh, the temple of God is, God is the place of God's presence in the Old Testament. And it was where God's people worshipped God. And it, as, as in, the, in the Old Testament, we also see that it's the place where God's presence goes out from to bless the world. If you want to see that in beautiful and, and amazing terms, look to Ezekiel 47, where we see, you'll see rivers of life flowing from the temple of God. And, and in response to this, in the New Testament, we actually see Jesus himself declaring himself to be the temple of God. It is from him that rivers of flowing life and eternal life go. And it is in Jesus that Christians worship and the mission it goes forth in the world. So in verse 22, Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit of God the Father is building the church, us, building us more and more into the temple of God and Jesus Christ. The church then is called to be God's presence and witness in the world. This, should, this reminds us of our being and our doing, the pattern of the Christian life. We rest in the presence of God, we worship him, we receive nourished from him in word and sacrament so that we can go out and witness to his love and presence in the world, being and doing. So for this reason, that we would be the temple of God in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul prays to the sovereign, loving Abba Father. What does he pray? According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now let's divide this into two segment, segment, segments real quick. Paul begins by praying his prayer, begins by grounding his prayer, excuse me, in the glory, ri, glorious riches of God. What is that, you might ask? Primarily, it's, it's God himself. It is the abundant, infinite, loving life of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The one who's more real to us and more real to this world than we can ask or imagine. So Paul asks that out of God's glorious life, his love, his infinite, beautiful abundance, he would give us something, he prays. And friends, this, this alone, just that first line, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant. That is an audacious prayer. And friends, it's one that we can all pray. That we're all invited to prayer. That we're all encouraged to pray. But God, because of who you are and what you do, grant us what we need. Now Paul could just stop right there. Father, out of your glorious life, give. That's a great prayer right there. And it would be enough because God knows what we need. But he doesn't stop. He keeps going. The prayer keeps going. So Paul prays that according to who God is in his abundance, glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So what does that mean? This is the second half of this verse. First, we should note uh, that he is praying for people who have already received Christ and his spirit. It's, it, the uh, beginning of Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14 is what he says. In Jesus, you, you Ephesians, also when you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation and believed in Jesus, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. So Paul prays that these Christians, these people have already been committed to committed themselves to Christ and have been baptized and received the Holy Spirit, that they would be strengthened with the power of the Spirit. 
In other words, that they would be filled again with the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of thoughts about the Holy Spirit in our world and in the church. And sometimes there's this idea of a second filling of the Holy Spirit. You have to experience this second baptism. And I, I do not think that that is what Paul is talking about here. What we can see from this passage is that we can again and can and should again and again be filled with the Holy Spirit. It isn't a one-time thing. It's a normal part of the church's life together. Praying for each other that God would fill us with the Spirit should be a normal part of the prayer of the church. So this is an astounding thing. We can ask from the glorious life of God to fill us again and again with a life-giving Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. That's a good enough prayer, right? But Paul keeps going. And now we see the purpose of this filling. So the verse again, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul prays that the church would be strengthened and filled with the Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now remember, we just established that Christ already dwells in the Ephesians by the Spirit. So this is not a prayer for salvation. This is not a prayer for, uh, for coming into the kingdom. They're already in the kingdom. So Paul is actually praying that we would grow more and more in their communion with God and with Christ and the Holy Spirit. The goal of the Spirit strengthening, then, is to grow us deeper in our awareness of Christ's presence in us as he transforms us from the inside out. Charles Simeon, an Anglican pastor and theologian from the 1800s, I think says this beautifully and quite well. This is what he says about Christ's dwelling. There is no habitation, not even heaven itself, in which Christ more delights to dwell than the, in the hearts of believers. That's where Christ wants to be in your hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is his delight. Now, it's easy in our walk to sort of see this, the doctrine of the Trinity as three separate persons who sort of do their own things, you know, separately. But we have to see here that throughout Scripture, the work of the Spirit is inextricably linked to Christ. You might say that the Spirit dwells in us to make us look like and be like and live in Jesus Christ. And this is what the theologian Gordon Smith says to that. The heart of the Spirit-filled life is an immediate awareness of the presence of Christ. The Spirit doesn't give us, just give us a good feeling. He grows in us the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the transforming work of grace. That's why the Spirit dwells in us. And Paul says that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. And you would think that that would be enough. <laughs> All right. We can end the prayer now. That's a great prayer, Paul. Don't be too audacious. But it doesn't. Paul pours even greater depth and riches into this prayer with this next little transitional phrase. That you being rooted and grounded in love. In this line, Paul reminds us that our faith, our hope, our security is grounded not in ourselves. We do not have to fall back on ourselves to be saved, but on the God who is love. Now Paul, to, to, to communicate this, uses two word pictures to illustrate this reality. 
speaking of rooted and grounded, rooted and grounded are, are metaphors of, of a planting and, and building. So what do we, what should we think of in planting, a planting metaphor? We think of Jesus as the vine who we are grafted into. We abide in him and he in us. And the Holy Spirit is the one who roots us in Jesus Christ. We are rooted in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is also the solid cornerstone that we are grounded on. Everything that Jesus did for us in his life is the sure and unshakable ground that we are built on in the Holy Spirit. We are rooted and grounded in Jesus through the Holy Spirit who unites us to the love of the Father. When someone becomes a Christian and confesses Jesus as Lord and submits themselves to Christ, they are objectively placed in the most abundant, glorious, intimate, secure, and loving relationship beyond all space and time. We are placed in the loving relationship of the Father to his eternal Son through the Holy Spirit. So it's interesting that just Paul sort of just inserts what I would say is the six-word gospel. Six words that describe the entire scope of salvation. Why does he put it here? Well, he does it to build up our faith. Jesus is in me, and I am in Jesus. The Spirit gives me the gifts and the fruits I need, growing me in his holiness and joy. And why? So that we can dig even deeper into the mystery of God's love for us. What else could Paul pray? We have the Spirit, we have Christ, we are in the love of the Father. What else could he ask for? There is always infinitely more in the majesty and love of God. And so, move to verse 18. That you rooted and grounded in love. We have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. In C.S. Lewis's novel, the last of his children's novels, The, 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 the Last Battle, uh, at the, towards the end, the heroes of Narnia are brought into the infinite wonder of Aslan's country. And through this narrative, they're constantly invited to come higher up and further in to this country, to this wonderful place of life. I think this is kind of what Paul is praying here. We're strengthened by the Spirit so Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. We are rooted and grounded in the love of God the Father so that we, so that, so that we can ha- come higher up and further in to the infinite and total light, delight of Jesus Christ for us. Now the word for Paul, that Paul uses for knowledge here is not, uh, isn't just um, head knowledge or heart knowledge. It's, it's, it's experiential knowledge or personal knowledge. It means to know something with our whole being, not just intellectually or emotionally, but with our whole inner life, our mind, our emotion, our will, our everything. It's kind of like taking the t- long, hard effort it takes to be married for 50 years, to know your wife or your husband, to, or to have a lifelong friendship. The effort that that takes, it, it takes time and effort to, to grow in that kind of knowledge. And that is exactly what Christ and the Spirit is giving us strength to, to do. He is praying that for us that we know that Jesus Christ is our beloved and his desire is for us. 
that he delights in us, that he's very fond of us. Friends, do you know this love? Simply put, we were created to love and be loved by God. And friends, Jesus says this to all of us today in the words of Zephaniah the prophet. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. All right, Paul, we end there maybe. Maybe that's enough of a prayer. But no, he adds the final line. All of this so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What does that mean? Scholar and theologian Gordon Fee argues that being filled to all the fullness of God means to have God's character reproduced in the life of the believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. For Paul, this is the ultimate empowering of the Spirit, where the indwelling Spirit of God, who is also the Spirit of Christ, reproduces the likeness of God's character in our lives. Ultimately, this is what the Spirit is all about. Here we see that Paul prays that our triune God would surround us, save us, and fill us with his life and character to make us who we were created to be, sons and daughters of God, with a purpose so that we can spread his new creation into the world through our lives and witness. Friends, just like God filled the tabernacle with his presence at the end of Exodus, and how Ezekiel envisions the temple being filled with the presence of God, so he fills the church his new people, his new creation, with the fullness of his glorious presence. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And friends, if we had the time infinite time and space to consider this two-verse benediction we would, for Paul prays that God would do infinitely more than we could ask or think or imagine. Infinitely more beyond this infinite prayer. Oh, what a God we worship, who invites us to pray with such confidence, desire, and delight. But friends, I, I must be cautious here. Because this is not a prayer that every human can pray, sadly. If you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, this prayer is not. I want to invite you and beg you in to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior this day. Because this is a prayer for those who are in Jesus Christ. God rejoices when one sinner repents. He pours his spirit into him or her so that they can become fully alive in Jesus. Friends, this is life abundant. If you've not surrendered your life to Christ today, is the day. 
And friends, if you are Christians, there are a few points of application to, to draw from this passage. First, friends, there's the reality that maybe you struggle with receiving the love of God in Christ Jesus. Maybe you doubt it on a regular basis. I've struggled with that. Friends, what we do at this rail when we receive the Eucharist is the objective reception of Christ's love for you. These means of grace where Christ gives you his life and the body and blood, the bread and the wine. This is where we experience the love of God in physical form. I want to encourage you to enter into the fullness of that communion that we participate in. But friends, sometimes we need an inner experience. Sometimes we need, to, we need to just feel something from God. Friends, he is so abundant in his love. God the Father is so abundant in lo- his love that as we read in this passage, he wants to fill you again and again with his Holy Spirit. Why, you might ask, you know, I became a Christian, filled me with the Holy Spirit at the beginning. Why do I need more? Let me offer this illustration. When you're born, you're fully human. You've got everything that it means to be human. But as you grow up in maturity, you become, and grow in maturity, you become more human. You, you, you gain, you know, those skills and expertises, what it means to be human. In a similar way, you receive the Holy Spirit when you give your life to Jesus Christ And you can grow and receive more and more of the Holy Spirit as you grow in your life in Christ. Friends, in this passage, we've only heard like a tiny, tiny bit of what the Holy Spirit does for those who ask for him. How can we not want more of the one who gives us Jesus Christ? The fact that Paul prays that the church would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit so that we can experience and know the presence of Christ in our lives means that we can ask through our li- throughout our life as Christians for the Holy Spirit to make us more holy, to give us strength to fulfill our vocations, to help us experience the love of the Father, and to participate in God's mission in the world. Do you want to experience the love of God and be more like Jesus? Are you struggling with your marriage, with your raising your qui- kids, with making decisions? Do you need encouragement and, and endurance in life? God the Father sends his Holy Spirit to fill you up with his life and his love. Why not receive? And friends, you might be tempted to think, oh, I can do this by myself. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lone Christian. I can just go and sit in my little chair and just ask the Holy Spirit to pray for you. Yes, you can. I encourage you to do that. But there is more, friends. This is the body of Christ. We minister to one another. So I would encourage you, I would plead with you to receive prayer to be prayed for by our prayer teams, that God would fill you up. This is not a thing of shame. This is a thing of beauty and goodness. That the Holy Spirit would fill us for the mission and life of holiness that he's called us to. Finally, friends, let us pray. Last week I talked about the practicing of the presence of God throughout the day, and I want to encourage you to keep pursuing this discipline. And one way to encourage that discipline is to spend concentrated time in prayer, soaking in Christ's presence in prayer and scripture so that we can experience and share his presence the rest of our days, the rest of our day. 
And there's some simple disciplines or patterns we can do, uh, to, you can use to do that. And let me just offer two of them. Uh, the first is the acronym ACTS. It's pretty, probably have heard of this. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Four areas of prayer to sort of order your time with God. We can adore Christ. We confess our sins. We thank him for what we have, and we ask for the needs of others and for ourselves. There's a great way to discipline our sort of scatterbrain prayer life, especially when we're up early trying to stay awake. Another option, one that I would encourage you to do, is Anglicans, um, we have this sort of rhythm of life of morning and evening prayer. Now, if you do morning and evening prayer, come talk to me so I can know the secret of your disciplined life, because I still struggle to at least get one of them in. But it's at least worth trying to do one. And a, a tool that my wife and I have used for, for throughout probably the last two or three years that I find very helpful uh, is, is a website called thetrinitymission.org. And it's, a, it's a produced by an Anglican priest in El Paso, Texas. And what's really helpful about this tool is he actually reads the whole of the morning and evening prayer with you. So you don't, if you're driving along in your car and you just need to, you want to spend some time in prayer, he reads the liturgy. It has prayers. It has time for free prayer. It has scripture. It's everything you need for a, for a healthy prayer life. Um, I, Lindsay uh, and I have used this throughout this time. When I was at home taking care of my daughter, we, I would listen to that in the morning. Lindsay would use it when she was driving to work. We lived in Pittsburgh. Um, it's a very helpful way to enter into the presence of God in prayer and scripture. Finally, and very simply, I'd just like to invite you to the prayer course. If you want to continue to learn about the love of God the Father and the presence of your ho- the Holy Spirit, it's a good place to start. So friends, let us be the temple of God in the world. Let us spend time with our triune God and ask him to change us. Let us receive the infinite, delightful love of Christ in the Holy Spirit. And in conclusion, and as my prayer, I want to pray together this scripture verse. So let us pray. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we praise you and we thank you for this prayer, for the life we have in you. We ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Bring us into union with Christ and help us to know the love of the Father. Pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.